I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my good buddy, Chief John Salka. And uh, buddy, um, as promised, um, a lot of people asked to make sure that we uh, we follow up on what we say we're going to do. Um, our last episode, we talked about search and rescue. And uh, golly, we could do, we always try to keep these between 25, 24, and 34, 35 minutes long. Um, but there's so much to talk about with, when it comes to search and rescue. Um, I know we want to talk about, you know, the, the techniques and, and, and how to stay oriented while you're doing a search. Um, one of the things, John, you've heard me say, you know, uh, I guess if I could lead in with this part of it, um, you've heard me say this in class a bunch of times. Um, God gave everybody out there, everybody outside all the firehouses, five things to do their jobs, to do their professions, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and everybody else. And, and the five senses, and we always ask people, right, how much, how much sight, how much vision do you have in a burning building? And that's usually crappy or nothing, you know. The, <clears throat> the next one would be, how, what, do you, what do you have touch-wise? Well, you always say with the big bozo gloves, that's limited. You know, nothing taste-wise, nothing smell-wise. And hearing with regulators and with hoods, that's probably the best. It's still limited. So I always tell people in class, you've heard me say it, that so you're asking me, Chief Salco, to crawl into that burning building, <clears throat> excuse me, a building that's, it's under demolition. Every put, everything put in that building to hold, hold it up is leaving via the smoke and flames and gravity is going to win. You're asking me to crawl in there with none of the use of any of the five senses to search for the seat of the fire, locate the seat of fire, and, and, and search and locate any possibly any possible lost, distressed, or missing occupants. You know, and I always, I always tell people, tell me, you know, if, if you and I showed up, at a construction, construction site like that, they sent us home with a C&I dog and a white cane. But we're crawling into burning buildings with little no use of the senses. So we always tell people, oh, my God, if you don't think training in the basics, especially with search, is important, you're, you're missing out on something very, very serious, right? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and, and, you know, what I think a lot of folks don't realize is, obviously, there's a lot of basics. Obviously, there's a lot of standards on search. Um, you know, crawling and carrying a tool and things of that nature. But I think there's a lot more to search than, than a lot of people realize. And I think if you really start paying attention to it and do a little bit more exploration and, and research on different types of classes that are available, which is, which is some of the things that we did when we did the Get Out of Life program, um, I, I think it, 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 expands the, uh, it expands the horizon on search. And I think there's a lot more to know about search than there was simply just, you know, one man search, two man search, you know, one in the room, one way outside the door. We talked about a few of those things in one of our previous um, episodes. So I, I think there's a lot to it. And I think that the room orientation, you know, staying oriented or room orientation, which was a, one, of the, one of the four classes that, that we used to teach in the Get Out of Live program, 
I think that's a really interesting one. And everybody who ever took that class, anybody who took Get Out Alive always said, wow, that room orientation, that was really interesting. Oh, and yeah. New stuff there. Oh, yeah. They were, how many times, John, when, and I saw it, you know, and I'm talking experienced firefighters and officers would get, and it wasn't like, you didn't have, it wasn't like a torture chamber. Like some guys come back and they, they create these, these props, they frustrate their people. There's no confidence building with those. That should be like the end result drill you do after people have been practicing. But I watch guys, John, in your class, guys with 20, 25 years come out like, well, just, they were pissed off. Like, I, I, I want to go through it again. And we're going, well, we got to rotate to the next drill. But I want to go through it again because I messed up or I didn't do this or whatever. And they wanted to go back. They, they, you know, and, and it wasn't they did a bad job. They just, again, realized just how easy it is to get screwed up, how easy it is to get turned around you know, when you can't see. And, and, it's, um, and let me add to that, not only how easy it is to get, get screwed up or turned around or lost, but how easy it is once you're taught and trained of how not to, of how not to. You yeah, see, that, yeah. that, that, that was the point that people were realizing, wow, you know what? I got turned around, but, but once I went through this class and started listening to the, the instructor and paying attention and answering the questions, because as you know, when we did that class, and, and we, I guess we could probably talk about that during this program, it was a one-on-one -on -one class. Each person that went through that room orientation uh, drill had an instructor with them, one instructor with them, throwing questions at them occasionally, asking them other questions a moment or two later, having them point to the door that they came in through the blackness of the room. And, and most of the time they perform well. So uh, another, another fact you just mentioned, it wasn't, it wasn't some horror show. It wasn't some barn full of, you know, full of machinery and unknown stuff. It was sim every single search that people did in the room orientation drill was in ordinary size rooms furnished with ordinary residential furniture. And, and, you know, nothing was crazy. There was no ridiculous stuff going on. So I said, that's, you got to prepare people to search ordinary rooms with ordinary furniture by doing just that. You can't give them ridiculous challenges through, through you know, 5,000 plastic balls in a room and stuff like that. Well, it's like, and for our listeners, don't confuse this with what our good friend Jimmy Crawford does in his RIT combat drills or he challenges the RIT team to climb through a bunch of crap to get the firefighters. And that's different. That's a different challenge. Exactly. Quite often. He's right on target. That's probably some of the best RIT training you'll ever get. Yeah. And, and, and part of that is, you know, is, you know, quite often, you know, what, what, when we're dealing with that, when a RIT team deploys, we've, we've had a collapse, we had something happen or whatever, so on and so forth when it, when it comes to that. But, but um, John, one of the things that you and I've talked about, I, I've told you this, many times before, when we used to do the smoke divers classes in Illinois, the Illinois Fire Service Institute, one of the greatest fire schools in the country, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, um, we used to do a simple drill. And, and, and you could do this, folks. You could do this in your firehouse, if you have a burn building, if you have an old, if you have an old house you're working at, whatever. Nothing fancy. John, all we used to do was make sure, obviously, there was a door. There has to be a door and maybe a window. And then Along the right, if you, let's just call it the right-hand wall as you go in. Once you got in there 10, 10, 15 feet, there'd be a baby doll, like one of the old CPR mannequins, something with some weight to it. Then there was um, a hydrant wrench, a gated Y, a cinder block, and, and a bowling pin from a bowling alley. And we would tell the two firefighters, okay, you're going to go in and you're going to be a primary search. We said before, it's down and dirty and you know fast and everything else. You do a right-hand search. When I call you, tell you to come out, that's when it becomes a left-hand search. That you know, We'll talk about that a little bit. But anything you crawl past or on, which is, you know, you do this quickly, stop, identify what you have. And I used to, people used to say, but a bowling pin? And the, and the whole point of the drill, remember, was 
to get you to, to, to stop and recognize something that's in your hand as you're crawling with your gloves on. You, you know, you can't see, you know, you're on your hands and knees, you, you know, there's smoke, it may be hot, there might be fire, whatever. And, 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 and to, to, to start to feel different things, to be able to put the room together. Um, I, I've told people before, you know, during some of our main age drills, John, that when they get lost, stop, take a breath and realize this, you didn't crawl, they didn't drop you into a cube. There, there, there's walls with, with doors and windows somewhere, you know, you know, put yourself together, find a wall, do what you got to do. But just those drills for starters job was staying oriented, you know, forcing people to feel stop, whatever it is. You, I'm like, okay, so, all right, I, I know that's a hydrant. Just, and you're, you're thinking, you're, you're thinking Tom Freeman used to say, this goes against, a, I guess, a lot of standards. Chief Tom Freeman used to say, chew gum. If you want to conserve your air, you chew gum. Cause if you take a few chews and you go, you're, you're helping, you're helping your breathing a little bit. And I tried it once and shit, it works, but, but getting in there and something as simple, right. is just, you know, is just putting some things in there for them to find. And then if you really want to see. And, and that whole topic, I don't want to cut you off because no, no, I don't want you to get too far away from, you know, searching for the garbage can cover and the, and the football and the roll of toilet paper. Right. I mean, people used to ask why these inanimate objects. And the whole point was for you to mentally Picture yourself in that room when you find each of these objects. It wasn't like you found them all next to each other in a row. And, and, and you know, New York State used to have a, a mass confidence course as well. Different name, same exact, same exact drill. And you'd go in, and, and when you came out, you'd have to actually sit down. Pull your face piece off and sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and quickly draw the room, what shape you thought it was, and where you saw the football, where you saw the garbage can cover, where you found the cinder block. And that that – what, what that did was it, it, you're inside the smoke, you're inside zero visibility, and you're finding these objects. Then when you come out, you're actually trying to place them on a piece of paper where you were. And most of the time, guys and gals got it right. Most of the time, folks got it right. They realized that they found the garbage can cover in a football. Then they hit a corner. Then they made a left. And then they went down a little bit, and they found a cinder block. And they and actually had it drawn on the piece of paper correctly. And whether, it's your, whether you're finding – whether you feel on a couch and a TV and a nightstand or a bed – or what do you feel in these other objects, these inanimate objects? It got you, it got you used to going through and using your hands and finding stuff and acknowledging what it was and, and figuring out where it was in relation to where you just passed and where you were going to. And that was that's that's a major concept in staying oriented. And I'm glad you brought that up because I left that part out about when they got out of the drill, there was a dry race board or a chalkboard, like you said, and they had to trace because I think that forces you to put it together. Cause I think I think if you don't do that you've left off the, you've left the cap off the end of the bottle. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, I, I, yeah, I recognize where these things at, but now come and show me where you found them. And yep. then you, your partner, you go, wait a minute, John, no, 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 no. The baby was before the, the hydrant. No, no, it was that. And now all of a sudden you're going, and these are the guys that come back to you and go, she's talking, oh, I want to go back yeah. through it again. You know, right. So, right. so, but, but I think, so first and foremost is being able to stay oriented to be able to crawl around on your hands and knees we'll do thermal imagers on a whole nother day because that's a whole nother uh, podcast for us, but being able to communicate with your partner, talk. But now I always ask you in class, cause you, t you taught this, um, you know, th there's, th there's just about as many theories for different people on staring, staying oriented in a burning building as there is as to which coupling the different things for bump bumps and all these different things for how coupling's out of a building. I, John, I always ask you in class for obviously reasons. Talk about, what you teach when you teach, and I love that drill. I love that class. Tell, teach an officer fire us how to stick by counting corners and staying oriented in that right, bedroom. Right. Couple of different skills. 
you know, in, in our version, our version of, of orientation, right? Five ground orientation, a couple of different skills. One of the skills was we call it mapping the room. So, so you're going in there and we want, what we want you to do is while you're searching, now you're still searching for victims. You're still, you know, crawling around and swinging your tool and using your hands. But we also want you to pay attention to everything that you encounter. So if you go to a house fire and you go up the stairs to a second floor for a report of a child trapped on the second floor, no, no, no mention of a bedroom or a hallway or where they are, but obviously you're going to the second floor of a house, what are you going to find? You're going to find a bathroom and probably some, some bedrooms. So you go to the second floor of this house, down the hallway you go, your lieutenant says, Bill, into the right room, search that room. Now you go in that room. What can you expect to find? Right off the bat, you should expect to find furniture, bedroom furniture, because you're on the second floor of a private. So, so, so mapping the room is going in, doing your left turn or your right turn. Some people do it based on how the door swings, whatever you choose. You go in, you stay to your right, you start feeling the wall, boom, the first thing you hit could be a nightstand. It could be a little nightstand next to, next to a bed. Boom, then you bang into a mattress. You feel a mattress. And we always tell people, I always tell people, Get two hands on everything. I know you're carrying a tool. You can momentarily put a tool down. You can momentarily put the tool on top of the mattress and feel the mattress. Make sure it's a big bed. And, and one quick thing, like you said about the tool, I, I, I want to interrupt just for a second, is what we used to teach you, John, if you've got a hook, a halogen, or whatever, an axe, you, you know, so you, in, in your flurry, you don't lose it. If, if you're going to feel it's very easy to just lay it down and put your knee on it kind of right. angle on it like you would your glove and feel around. Because I, I love that searching with two, like you said, go, keep going about two hands. And two hands is what's going to allow you to make the difference between, let's say, a chair and a couch. They're both going to feel the same. They're both going to have the same texture. But suddenly when you put two hands on it, you realize, wow, I got my arms fully stretched out. This is six feet. This isn't a chair. This is a couch or a love seat, right? Um, back to the tool. You should be able to put your tool down. You know, it's, I, I, it drives me crazy when I see instructors kicking a guy's tool away when he lets go of his tool for a moment. Don't ever let go of your tool. It, it could be kicked away by a nearby instructor. No, it can't be. There's no instructors in a fire. If you put your tool down, it's going to be right where you left it. You're not on a ship. It's not listing. It's not going to slide to the left or the right, you know. So obviously we don't want to put a tool down and move across the room away from it. But you can momentarily let go of a tool to feel a big piece of furniture, then grab your tool again and, and move on. So – Mapping the room is saying, okay, I found a nightstand, I found a bed, oh, hit the corner of the room, I'm making a left, oh, now I found a dresser drawer, and you can anticipate to some degree too, because you're in a bedroom in a house, so you can start to anticipate that stuff. So, so mapping the room is saying, nightstand, bed, corner, dresser drawer, desk, corner, oh, for, I found the first window. And now you know. So not only are you mapping the room with the, with the furniture, you should be able to retrace your steps very quickly and say what? Uh, desk, bed, nightstand. What's the next thing you hit? The door. You should, you should know your way out by those, by those uh, landmarks, right? Additionally, I did mention the corner. You should never miss a corner. You should always physically feel the corner of the room because when you count the corners, what are you doing? That, that's, your, that's your odometer. That, that's, that's measuring how far you're going. So you hit one corner, you hit two corners. After you hit two corners, as you're going down that wall, somewhere along the way, you're going to pass the halfway mark. You're actually on the way out of the room now. You hit the third corner, you're absolutely on the way out of the room. You should never turn around after hitting the third corner. You're in a bedroom. Now, now I'm not saying in, in, a, in a real estate office or in a, a car repair place, you might have to retrace yourself back even after hitting the third corner because you don't know how, what's ahead of you. But in, in a residential building, in a bedroom on the second floor of a house, it's just a bedroom. After you hit the third corner, all you have to do is hit one more corner. You're going to come back to the doorway that you came in. So those are the things. Those are the concepts you have to remember. So one is mapping the room, you know, using two hands. 
the other one is counting your corners. You got to count your corners. And if you keep track of counting your corners, generally you're going to find four corners in every room. It's going to work out very well for you. And if you put those couple of things, those two, three ideas together of using two hands, mapping the room, and counting the corners, and if you practice that time and time again in a residential residential scenario, residential furniture, residential rooms, you, you're going to be very able to do a, do a aggressive, rapid interior search without being on a hose line and make very rapid progress. And that'll make a good search very quickly, but keep yourself orientated so you, you don't become a victim. Well, and, and, and I, you know, this is a technique we, that we use and we still use um, if you, during training. If you want to see how good you did when you searched, and you're, let's just call it your training, your training tower, whatever. You know, if, if you can, if it's not like, a, I mean, hopefully you're crawling around, you can get it all dirty and stuff like that. We used to do this, John, and still do. Take a dry chem extinguisher, you know, an extra one, not one obviously in a rig. And, and walk into the room they're going to search with the concrete floor, let's say. Or, you know, we can even do it in the kitchen in a, in a quiet structure or whatever. And just take it and, and just pop it once. Just pop it, let, let the dry chem poof, and then settle on the floor. You know, that's, I mean, that's how my next door neighbor found out he had a, a, a poisonous snake, a rattlesnake in his house. This colonel from the, <laughs> he, he knew he had a snake skin. He, 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 he shot some stuff on the floor, and then he could see where the snake was crawling. Same thing. You want to see if your if you're, if you're, your students or the guys and gals that are training actually swept their arms out into the middle of the room. You know, it's one thing, you know, not everybody is following along walls and near the dresser. Some people are laying right there in the middle of the carpeting or the floor or whatever. So if you want to see how good you're doing, give it a shot and, you know, just not, not cake it. Give it a shot. Just dust the floor. And then you go in afterwards and you look, you go, okay, you guys did great here, but look at, I don't see any marks or anything this whole area over here, there could have been someone laying right here and it kind of challenges them like you said to be able to all right now let's talk about searching away from the wall using your tool sliding your tool against the wall you know and and, and reaching out and, and, and you know again always having a tool with you um, but reaching away from being able to work away from the wall where you don't lose the wall and sweep out into a room now you've got proof positive whether you did good or not you come in and there was nothing better for god they'd be beaming they come in they go look Look at this. You find me a place here where someone could have been laying, where I didn't, you didn't see my hand, my glove swoop, or whatever like that, and so on and so forth. The other thing, John, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize the difference between a big, chunky pile of clothes on the floor and a body. I, you know, people, I think people don't realize, firefighters don't realize that you almost, you're almost surprised that what you just touched, or, you know, you, back to the two hands thing. You know, if you're doing, if you're with your left in hand and you're bumping and doing things, you reach out with your tool, you've got to know that, you know, if I'm using my, I'll just say it like you see a blind person use their cane, you know, same, same with you with your hands or your tools. If you're using a tool, you've got to know what you're feeling, what you're just not banging around this tool. You know, I, I know people that have, have, have missed and their partner says, hey, 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 you know, and he goes, well, I thought that was a pile of clothes or I thought that was this and didn't realize that was, that was an adult lay in there. And, right. and, and, you know, we've taught guys, and I know you have, and I've heard it. it it's been taught to me as well. You don't, you don't swing a halligan or whatever tool you happen to have. If you have an axe, obviously, what are you doing? You're holding the head of the axe, and you're using the, the light yeah. hand. And when you touch something, when you encounter something, you stop. Now you move out there and you put your hand on that object. You don't determine what it is by the end of a, by the end of a, 
of an axe handle. You can't really figure that out. There's no, there's no sense on the end of that handle. You're just hitting an object. Even if it pushes a little bit, that could be clothing, that could be a cushion, or it could be a person. That's why you just use the tool really to locate your, your, your stuff around you, your limits, your wall, your furniture, and then you go out and you feel it. If it's going bang, 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 obviously it's not a person. It's the leg of a chair or leg of a table, you know? Well, exactly. And then that's, that's also, you know, we've got a few minutes here uh, left with this one, but is knowing your tools. Like you said, you know, I know you used to do it in your drills and we used to do it when we used to do our truck, truck classes. You see a lot of younger firefighters, and I mean younger, you know, inexperienced, good, good guys and gals, but they're learning like we all did. And they're searching, they're holding on to the axe handle with the head of the axe out in front of them. First of all, they have to get heavy after a while. And, they, you know, instead of, like you said, holding it with your, your hand kind of nudged up against the bottom, the base of the, the, the head of the axe itself, and using that, like I said, like that blind person feeling, and you feel something, okay, I felt something, and you push out there. It's the same thing, John, is searching with a halogen. Watching, watching firefighters crawl around, you know, holding on to the halogen, you know, without, without, without using it, like we talked about, with the horn and the ads end down so it's off the ground so you're not, you're not squishing your knuckles. I see some guys, they're crawling around with this tool, and they're trying to pinch it with their fingers or they're crawling with it, and they're instead of going, look, you know, I've got the fork end down here. I've got the horn and the ads end out in front of me. I've got that stuck on the floor, my hands of it, above it. And that's, that's what we talk about, you know, especially some of the good, like from Firehooks, the pro, the super pro, the pro, uh, the, you know, or the original Halligan, but a good Halligan, you know, this was a, a Tommy Trevino thing was in the center, when you find that, that balance point on that, that Halligan, you know, a lot of people, you've seen it where they wrap it. You know, we do the whole, the, the clothesline, wrap it like a barbershop pole, do the plastic hockey tape, then go over the friction tape. So now you got a grip on there too. But in the middle of that tool, in the middle of that halogen, again, if you take your fingers, some of them, the bevels actually stop in the middle at the balancing point. You take that plastic electro tape and you, you keep going around, around, around. You make like a little ball there, not a tennis ball, but like a little ball that, that can fit into the center right. of the palm of your hand. on a golf ball. Yeah. Exactly. So when you're, when you're, when you're in the smoke, you, if you've got that sticking in the palm of your glove in your hand, you know you've got the center of it. So you know I could flip the fork in this way. I had the ads and the horn in this end. And as I'm crawling, my knuckles are off the ground. Same thing with searching with maybe a six-foot all-purpose hook like we do sometimes, which I love that tool. Like you said, John, knowing your tools, knowing how to search with them, being able to search away from your partner, away from the wall, you know, to be able to sweep out, to not lose contact with the wall. Like you said, you know what? Once in a while, I got to lay my tool down. We used to just teach guys. In fact, the Marines taught my son this as a corpsman, an FMF corpsman, with his rifle. If you can, you set it down, kneel on it. You know, just, just because you know where it's at, you know, you kind of know where it's at the whole time. It's kind of like if I, if I set my axe down and pull it, I put my foot on it so I don't lose it in the rub, you know, the, the, the yeah. you know, sheetrock and stuff. And the other thing is, when you're carrying two tools, there's absolutely no reason to carry two tools into a bedroom to search. If right. you have an axe and a halogen, you've got a set of irons, I would leave the axe at the front door or leave the iron at the front door. A lot of people like to leave the, the halogen at the front door and take the axe because the axe is easy to swing around, right? You're probably not going to get into a forcible entry situation inside a bedroom on the second floor of a house. Same thing like in the FDNY, the can man, the other part of the forcible entry team, carries a six-foot hook, right, and a can. A lot of times you leave the six-foot hook at the door through the doorway. Now somebody passing by in the hallway sees a handle sticking out. They know there's a team of firefighters in there. Number two, it prevents the door from 
closing and latching if somebody happens to bang into it, right? And then you can search the rest of the room. So there's a lot of options. That there's no one way to do it, but you shouldn't just be carrying everything that you went in the, in, in the building with through the room. You don't necessarily have to do that. Well, exactly. And, I, I, and if you hear the phone right now, folks, that's probably the IRS called me telling me I have to give them like my, all my account information because I owe money. I'm kidding. It's a scammer. Either that or, it's, either that or it's, it's somebody telling me that I just won $3 million over in Europe somewhere. But, um, <laughs> well, hey, you know what? We're, we're actually at the end of this one. Um, John, one of the questions uh, that one of our other uh, uh, listeners posed to us that shot me on uh, Twitter or Facebook, I forget which one it was, um, they, want, they wanted for us to talk a little bit about vent enter search as well and some of those techniques. Um, you you, you want to do a part three? You want to do a, 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 our next show? We'll do a part three. And we'll, you know, this way we kind of bridge them. Material. With Certainly a big enough topic that what I would rather not squeeze it in anywhere, but, but maybe we'll run a whole run a whole podcast on it. There's certainly enough to, to, to do a whole program. Yeah, we, I mean, we could do a week on search and rescue alone, but I, I think we've covered some of the highlights so far with two, two episodes. So, but, uh, well, that's it. Hey folks, that's it for this one. Um, uh, for this episode of, of old school, we appreciate you again, uh, tuning in and listening uh, keep spreading that word. If you, if you want us to come out and do a program for you, or you're looking for some information, uh, shoot us an email. I'm, I'm at chief Lasky at gmail.com and John. I am at chiefjohnsalka at gmail.com. And we always end our shows asking you to please keep the men and women, our armed forces, in your thoughts and prayers. And start uh, praying for our law enforcement family as well, the brothers and sisters in blue. They're going through some tough times, uh, as they always do, but even more so right now. So thanks again for tuning in. We always appreciate you. Be careful, and God bless you. Thank you.